Welcome to 2020. I thought you were going to say Wednesday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. We, uh, we've been meeting here, praying, and, you know, the last 15 minutes just kind of wondering what in the world's going on, probably telling jokes, and now uh, between prayer and that, we're with you. You remember we used to, we, the reason we started at 7.15 was because we were having five-folds and our teams were straggling in. Mm-hmm. And I'd filibuster. That was the reason for the filibuster. Mm-hmm. Now that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of you out there in Radio Land. And uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do throughout this new year. It's a time ripe with um, incredible promise, but also a time that demands us being more devoted and um, submitting ourselves to be refined, probably more than any other time. Um, You know, I'm not you know, the Bible says when you fast, don't tell anybody, but it, well, it doesn't really say that. It says don't be as the hypocrites. Um, but our congregation and you and me have been fasting a lot, and I know that undoubtedly many of you have been. And um, as I've said on a number of occasions, I have not felt this inclination to fast, this necessity to fast in the way I'm feeling it now since we first began this walk. And we've had lots of opportunities to fast under the direction of the Lord over the years, and those have been used for transitional, well, not that's bad, is a bad word. Those have been used for moments of stepping forward into a new understanding or revelation or welcoming the Spirit to to utilize us in a better way as we're going out into different lands or engaging in new ventures. But this is really different, and we we expect a great measure of the visitation of the Spirit in this year. But we've got to make sure that we have offered ourselves so that we are not deficient in our ability to move with the Lord and hear him and transact what we need to transact. You know, that passage where um, the man with his little boy and the boy was doing all kinds of demonic, demonically inspired shenanigans and... Um, Jesus finally told his disciples that that comes out by by prayer and fasting and it was because of their iniquities that it couldn't happen with them, through them. And so you had the moment, you had the opposition following the transfiguration, you had the, um, the, uh, the opportunity, but the ones that should have been ministering that we're not able to take advantage of any of them and certainly could not be used of God because of what was going on in them and it was prosuke and fasting that they needed to be doing. So let's extrapolate. If prosuke and palau are linked with supplication and supplication is grace, it's like a math problem, then Jesus was really saying, you need to be partnering in the grace of what's happening right here. And you need to be hearing from God in that. And with that, you need to be fasting. That's what the Lord said. But, the, you know, I've, I've interpreted this in, in the past, and I know the church regularly does, that, you know, somehow the little boy, the timing, the moment, and all those things we just bypass that and it's about if you fast you you will 
you will move the hand of God. Or if you fast, suddenly he'll hear you in a better way. Or if you fast, you will, um, you know, you'll gain some Popeye-like super strength, like it's a, it's a nutrient or some kind of a five-hour energy burst. But it's not that at all. It's really you yielding yourself and being refined and you pressing in to hear from God in grace and recognizing what it is that he wants. And so I think that's really where we are right now. We have the moment. We have the time. We have the opportunity. We have the transitional move into a new thing, not just in a year, but in something that God is releasing according to his timetable. And so he's pressing us with the partnership of grace, which is the foundation upon which wisdom and prosuke palau, those kinds of insights come. That's good. That's good. Plus it, and I know you said this, but it, it, I don't want to say it prunes, it, it empties us out to be more, to be, uh, for me, I just, I feel like, like even right now, I feel like I can feel almost like the detoxing of, you know, you can call it an iniquity, you can just call it life, you can call it just toxins from being in this world and, and things like that, that, that I feel are being purged out just to be more like him, to be closer to him, to, to, to have clear insight. It, just this morning when we were in prayer, the Lord gave me just this nugget of insight for something that I have been contending for for weeks and had no answer to or even know how to pray. But I knew that it had everything to do with me coming before him and, um, and transacting with him, just me and him on behalf of something else. And, and he just gave me this nugget of insight or revelation of, mm. of what the next step was. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm not saying it's the answer. I'm saying it's the, it, he, he shows us the process. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe that's a process of the, the prosuke or the palau. And um, in partnering in grace, I mean, I felt so strongly on Sunday morning that the Lord, I mean, he said to me, this is a year of partnership. And I thought, we've been in partnership for 24 years. I mean, how is this year different? But it was it, it was such a clear word that we are going to be partnering with him in that application of his wisdom in ways that we've never known before. We've never seen the manifestation of before. And that is going to require a clear pathway to hear him, to see him, to know him, to know, just like Jesus, to know what our Father in heaven is saying and doing and to do those things. It's like Jesus said when he was speaking to his disciples and John, you know the Father because you know me, because everything that I do, everything I say, every measure of works is because is, is, is what he is, is, is his. And I feel like we're He's just bringing us closer, and I just when you think you can't get any closer, there's always more. <laughs> so I have a funny story, though. Tell it. And maybe you've heard this before, but I just heard this the other day, and it just made me chuckle. And I, I think this is a true story, but don't don't hold me to it. So there's a bar in Mount Vernon, Texas, called Drummond's. And this bar, I don't know when this was, but it began construction on an expansion of their building, hoping to grow their business. And in response, there was a local Baptist church that was located nearby that started a campaign to block the bar from expanding. And they began lifting up petitions and fasting and prayer. And about a week before the bar's grand opening, a bolt of lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. And after this happened, the church folks, <laughs> they were rather smug about it and they were bragging about the power of prayer and fasting. 
And the angry bar, bar owner eventually sued the church on grounds that the church was ultimately responsible for the demise of the building through direct actions or indirect means. Wow. Of course, the church vehemently denied all responsibility or any connection to the building's demise. And so when it went to court, the judge read carefully through the plaintiff's complaint and the defendant's reply. And then he, then he opened the hearing by saying this, I don't know how I'm going to decide this, but it appears from the paperwork that what we have here is a bar owner who now believes in the power of prayer and fasting and an entire church congregation that does not. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was funny. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Wow. Wonder but how the course was, the the court case was settled. I don't know, but it's that's wisdom. I mean, you got a church that prayed and fasted and the Lord answered their prayer, but then they denied it when it came down to taking responsibility for it. Well, you know, it's funny because so many of the tragedies that happen in nature they call them an act of God. You know? Yeah. Well, I think they are. Well, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Just be that, careful what you pray for. That's going to be one of the highlights of the year right there. <laughs> People are going to long talk about And why don't you tell more stories like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Noah called me last night. He started, fa- he started a fast yesterday, and he was rather um, robust about about it and decided he was going to do like a three-day water only fast and then do the 21-day daniel fast and um i was like oh, okay that's for somebody who's never actually done like a an, an extended water fast i thought well that's 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 pretty lofty of you especially for somebody like him that loves food yeah. so he he messaged me last night and his message was i just want a burrito <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. I know. <laughs> What's well, funny with this, because I I went through days where I wasn't eating at all, and I was just writing. So that kind of was my meat. But then I recognized, you know, I need to be eating a little bit of something because it's been going on now for 30, almost 40 days. And so yesterday I went to whole foods down here to get some water and um, I got a little one of their small things of soup that was mom's homemade chicken soup they had but it was one of those times where it's gotten all the way down to the bottom of the thing so the people had picked out most of the good stuff and so I got a bunch of carrots and a little bit of rice and a couple of pieces of chicken when I got back to my office I started drinking that broth, and it was the funniest thing because I felt like I was cheating. I felt felt like I was doing something wrong. That wasn't from the Lord. It was me that was thinking that. And when I chewed on that chicken, I thought, man, this tastes really, really good. And I I started thanking the Lord for the food. Because, you know, with me, like if I'm fasting and my bones start aching, I know that especially, I'm not talking about one day, but after about, are we not on? I just heard from Teresa that she just lost connection, so I don't know if it's everyone or just her. But you go in. Anyway, um, you just try to be sensitive but it was just the funniest thing because I had this little not the big one I used to get the big one and then eat half of it and then eat the other half later and I was one of those guys that would get it in the morning and I didn't ravage the bowl but you know I made sure I had a lot of substance not oh, just broth bowl? Bowl? Oh, we're talking about soup. you know the big thing that you dip out of. you ever gotten soup down there oh, I get soup there all the time okay so you know what I'm I saying I live out of that store you know what I'm saying yeah but uh, it was just the funniest feeling. And then, I don't know. I mean, it's some, sometimes when you're fasting, you just, like last night when I got home, 
I did a bunch of tasks around the house, and then I just laid on the bed for like three hours. I was exhausted. And I'd pray in the spirit a little bit, and I, I, I don't really know what happens during that time. It's almost like your body needs to, to rest. Well, I remember back in the day when we were reading a bunch of books before we had a library full of books of our own. And I remember one of the books when we were learning about this walk, I think it was Francis Frangipane, I think it was Frangipane that wrote about fasting, the three battlegrounds. And, and that was one of the better books, I think, that came through that really taught us about warfare. And, and I remember specifically him saying, if you were in the midst of warfare, do not do full fast because your body needs sustenance it needs it needs strength for the fight and that always kind of confused me and I, I never really I mean I think about that sometimes and for me I because I like to I like fitness and I like to work out every day it's hard for me because if I don't have carbs and protein and I, I just have no strength and and so when I fast like that I know that I'm fasting more than food and which is also a good thing too because it breaks down those idols that that we might that might build up that we don't even recognize. I mean, Noah was asking me yesterday, is food an idol? And I said, you bet it can be an idol. It's an idol to a lot of people. Well, the Bible says their God is their belly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so. Whoever they are. So what I what I did yesterday was, because I was not eating, I've not been eating at all, was I was drinking, which I cannot stand, bone broth bone broth yeah and it's just to me it's just disgusting and yet at the same time it's packed with nutrients and with protein and because i am in a battle i mean i feel like i've been in a measure of warfare since the the be well actually if truth be told since versailles i feel like we've been in 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 yeah. pretty constant battle since since we landed in france and um and so I'm just, you know, it's like, Lord, teach us. And I know that he's doing that. He's going to teach us through it. And whether or not what I quoted earlier about you shouldn't fast when you're in warfare is true or not. I guess it depends on the circumstances and the situation. And um, So but, wait, now bone broth, does it taste like regular broth? Or does it taste gross? Is it? I, it, to me, it doesn't taste like regular broth. And I've had beef bone broth, and I've had chicken bone broth. Yesterday I was drinking the chicken, and um, just the concept of what it is, that they boil the, bro the bones. and Does the dog, Do the dogs follow you around when you, <laughs> with the hungry look in their eyes? You know, they say bone broth is one of the best things that you can put in your body. And it's, 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 it's got so many nutrients. It's so good. You could probably live off of it, but I'm not going to say that because I've said that about avocados, and you have continued to Every now and then that. I just say it, then you should be thankful I remember that. But the point is, I guess, is whenever you're feeling that way, I'm sure, you know, God didn't strike me dead when I drank a cup of it. Um, I think it's just no, a, I'm a just, matter I'm of the heart. No, I'm just curious of that. It, you just have to try it. I mean, I have a friend that makes it and used to share it with me because I was a nice person. And literally, I mean, he and his wife would spend like 24 hours cooking it and even that I just it was hard for me to take but um, you can buy it now in the carton at Whole Foods and just put a little salt and pepper in it and it's okay it's tolerable but when you haven't had anything like you said just drinking that chicken broth is like you feel like it's a meal for a king man oh man I finished that and I I uh I felt like I do cartwheels across the room <laughs> Yeah, lift heavy weights. Well, I remember back in the early days when we were fasting a whole, whole lot. And I remember, you know, the first couple of days are hard because I do think that you're detoxing a lot of the toxins and stuff out of your body, but it's just hard because those idols are dying. And, and the things that you're so used to filling your mouth with, your face with, it's hard. But then once you get into the rhythm of it and you start sensing the closeness of the Lord and the dependence of his spirit for sustenance it is to me it's addictive 
And I remember, you know, we would do 21-day fasts or whatever, and I remember the hardest part of the whole thing was coming off of it because I didn't want for anything to hinder that place before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was always really difficult to, to, to start eating regularly again. I guess we should maybe talk about the benefits of fasting, but I guess you started off for that, so. Well, you know. Let's see what the, the congregation is. Yeah, or is everybody uh, online? Teresa's back. Oh, I guess everybody lost. Everybody lost? Mm-hmm. Are we back on, guys? This is interesting. Because we, we're, we're streaming out of here. I don't get that. Teresa said she lost us at carbs and protein. But are we back now? Mm-mm. We're not back. So nobody's hearing us. Anybody out there? All right. I'll shut it down and start it up again. Well, several people said they were just going to listen to the archive. So we could just continue. All right. Well, I don't understand this. I mean, especially since... If I told you guys how much we paid every month for this high-powered upload speed, you would be shocked. And it's the only thing that's available in our net in our neighborhood because uh, you know the monopolies of these companies. And it's frustrating to me when something happens and we're kind of messed up. So I'm very sorry. Well, Jocelyn just said the enemy's just a punk. <laughs> so, it, see, that's the power of fasting. We start talking about it. That's true. And bring encouragement about it. And the enemy just stopped us in our tracks, but he's not going to stop us. He just thinks he can. So you want to go eat? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this year of wisdom, if our calculations are correct, and I believe they are, um, is is opposed by the prince of the power of the air. Um, and how that would be is that the enemy works in the children of disobedience and he brings bitterness and he brings maligning and then false words and strife. and um, But... Um, I think also there's there's always a connection. See, you have the pre predominant opposition, but then you have to recognize that it's not just done in a vacuum any more than we can say wisdom and revelation stands alone because it's dependent upon it's part of the heart of God and it it's dependent upon grace and it's dependent upon the the rest of the of the seven spirits of the Lord. So um, I do know that wisdom, just as it's connected with grace, so the prince of the power of the air works a lot with Beelzebub. And ultimately, there is the, the link with Leviathan. And those three at the bottom of the seven spirits progression um, really talk about things that you do to see breakthrough in nations and so um, I'm just I'm not surprised that there was a prince of the power of the air on this web uh, it's just ridiculous we, we again we apologize there's nothing we can do I mean it's not like we went down the t- to the tobacco shop and bought uh, enough power for this broadcast maybe we didn't buy enough um, so we take authority over anything the enemy's trying to do and we pray that God will use this discussion to encourage encourage the people amen, amen. <clears throat> um, so any other nothing nope we're lost. We are not lost. We are found. Anything um, 
you want to say about the first Saturday we just had? Any any uh, admonition for those to send words in or any comment on what's been submitted? I think I think they're they were very the words that I read so far have been very proactive. Um I think um you know cuz Nancy's out of town so she's sending piecemeal one by one. Yeah, it was it was quite a dynamic time of intercession, and I, I I struggled that morning because I was waiting for our French intercessors to arrive, and I was very distracted for about the first hour because there was no no way to know that they were there. They were coming to pray with us, um, some young people from Paris, and. There was no way to know that they were there unless I checked my messages because he was messaging me when they arrived, and they were not going to be able to get in the door. So I didn't want them to be standing outside or to miss that. And so the fir- about the first hour was, was like very chopped up and, and distracting for me. But even still, that the, the presence of the Lord and the, the, the Spirit was so profound um, just in the moment. You know, it's like this morning I was praying and I, I, I was reading my Bible and I was, I, the Lord has me in the book of Psalms this year. And um, so I'm on Psalm 7. I've read a Psalm every day and I'll do that for 150 days and then maybe start over. I don't know. But I, I just, I marvel at just the first seven Psalms that are packed with David describing the enemy that is persistently surrounding him yet in the midst of him declaring the presence and the goodness of God the victory of God and 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 so this morning I was I was praying about some things that that I know that are pending that we're believing the Lord for and just you know a lot of the the apostolic journeys and things like that just asking the Lord to to perfectly orchestrate what's supposed to be in this coming year and I just I just almost felt like he stopped me in my tracks and said you focus on what you plan yes but you focus on today you focus on what I have for you all today and you trust me it's like be anxious for nothing but in all things so I don't know how I rambled on that trail but well that's a good that's a good word because the reality is the enemy is surrounding us, but we are seated at the table of the Lord, and we are feasting on his presence and on his goodness and on his authority and his power. And and um, <laughs> I don't want to fight the battle for six months from now, right now. I mean, I do, and I know that happens, but um, I, I want to cease the moment, and I want to cease the breakthrough for today. And so... Well, good grief. I was just doing some math. Sometime in mid-April, you're going to hit Psalm 119. I know. We may and not I see you that day. It's kind of funny, Pastor, because I, I, I felt the Lord's telling me to do this, to really meditate on the Psalms this year, and, and I don't know why, but um, he does. But so I, I Googled, you know, because sometimes you can do, like, through the Bible in a year. I've done that before a couple of times, and, and they give you the perfect, like, layout of how you break it down in the year. And so I Googled you know, studying the Psalms in the year, throughout the year. And there was not one website that gave you like a breakdown of the Psalms for 365 days. Because I thought surely they'll break down Psalm 119 into like three days or something. But it was day one, Psalm 1, day two, Psalm 2, day three, Psalm 3, day four, all the way for 150 days. And I thought, well, that's rocket science. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, but that's the way I wanted to do it anyway. Yeah. So if you don't see me on day 119, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to be really sensitive on that day. But the point is, is I guess I never realized that the very beginning of that book focused so much on the enemy. You know, the first one was about sitting in the seat of the scorner and really some 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 pretty strong words to us about righteous living and unrighteous living, but 
from there on out, I mean, it. he just, he really laments, laments the presence of the enemy in his path. And so that's pretty apropos, I guess, at least for me right now. Wow. Well, I, um, I probably, since God has directed us to the study of the scripture and to fasting, we're probably going to need to, we want to thank everybody who was willing to partner this past weekend in the fast for the network, but I think leading up to the seminar in March, we're probably going to need to do some kind of a network Daniel fast. And um, I think that, um, you know, we even now looking at all the people that are going to be here, the young younger people that are going to be here, and even the preponderance of the, the children that are going to be here, and um, it's, it's going to be an unusual mix of attendees. Of course, our attendees are pretty unusual in themselves, but the mix is going to be uh, unusual. And I, I just anticipate God doing uh, doing something that is unheard of. So um, let's just be ready. I hadn't been thinking about that at all. So you said something about Noah doing the Daniel fast. Um, <laughs> wow. Daniel fast is it's a good that's a good one. It is because it it really there's a lot of discipline involved. There's discipline in fasting anyway. I mean it's it's clearly a, a one of the disciplines that we walk in. But the Daniel fast it it requires. I mean I it really hones your senses in a special way. And it's been a long time since I've done a Daniel fast. But I was kidding with him because he, he said, man, I can't wait to eat vegetables. Man, I just, I've never wanted vegetables so, so much in my life. And I thought, I have waited my whole life to hear you say that. <laughs> no, but then I thought, and I even messaged him back and I said, well, let me just forewarn you. You'll, you will be craving meat and you will be craving bread and pleasant bread. And you'll probably maybe even be craving drink. I mean, just trust me. After a couple of days, those vegetables are going to start <laughs> tasting pretty bland. But that's part of the process. But I love that. I, I really, I love that. And I was, I was sharing with you maybe last week about this young man in Switzerland, Cyril, and about how um, we got together with him on FaceTime last weekend to pray. And he had asked if we could pray with him about some of the things that he's battling and, and really needing breakthrough from. And so we set it up. I set it up a couple of days prior to the actual day that we would meet with him. And and when we got face to face, he had told me that he, the Lord had called him to fast and to pray for seven days and believe for breakthrough. Once and for all, the authority to, to, to see breakthrough, you know, once and for all. And it was like the eighth day when we met. And he... I mean, he was overjoyed with triumph and with confidence and with authority that what I have been contending for my whole life, I have overcome. Wow. And so for a young man who's never been taught about fasting and prayer, who is very new in the Lord, to be led like that and to discipline like that for an 18-year-old kid, I mean, that's, it has to be God. Yeah. And so that was a real encouragement. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and there are things that we're all, you know, we're all battling that we're just ready to see just the victory, just the final. Just, you know, how many times do you circle back around and then you end up facing the same devil or the same principality or the same stronghold or whatever? I just believe that that this year is going to be a year where there's going to be some finality to these battles. And 
I'm ready for that. Well, I think we can all agree that we want that as well. Um, it's interesting. These days, I um, so many things we could say. But Let's talk about what's coming up. Tomorrow night, we're back in the saddle with Wednesday Night Live after several weeks away. So we're very thankful to be able to propose that as a, as a church and as a network. And um, I know that um, God is... God is really wanting us to hear from him, and there's some innovations that are coming that he wants. And, you know, there are many pathways that could be available to us, but we we only want his pathway. And we we pray that God will truly sharpen and hone our senses to where we can we can hear him and know that still small voice um i i just know that we desperately need that cuz you know there's a number of ways we hear from god and he he speaks to us in his word he speaks to us um as interpretation of 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 our tongues and our fivefold pursuits he speaks to us in dreams and visions and he speaks to us prophetically over and over again he speaks to us as as we're just reading his word and and, and then there'll be commentary that you feel in your spirit those are wonderful things he speaks to us through sometimes through other people who bring us prophetic insights but with all that being said, and as, as reliable and wonderful as that is, because those are promises in the Scripture, you know, we had to take some strides forward to be able to pursue that. Because I remember when we first started, not very, very little of that was part of our repertoire. You know, there were times that God would speak. You know, the interpretation of tongues was a thus says the Lord kind of a thing. Um... But we, we really weren't moving in, in, in much of what we just said. The scripture, yes. But um, what, what he's bringing for us now is that kind of that still small voice type thing. And that's a different, that's a different, uh, that's a different thing. And I wonder about, you know, we've studied about the times that the Scripture says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And, you know, I think I think tomorrow, uh, I don't know this, I shouldn't even say, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking about for tomorrow night, because it's probably going to change. But God is trying to open up a, a channel of, of uh, communication with us that we've benefited from in this walk, but now he's, he's clarifying it. He's expanding it. And, and with that, the relationship is being deepened. Those two go hand in hand. And um, so that's the kind of communication you get from the Lord that's not on the beaten path. It's and it's this is not, you know. Some people will hear that and say, "Oh, you're speaking elitism, or you're speaking some kind of a thing." You know, God loves everybody. You know, I remember when we first started teaching about the progression of, you know, developing to um, joint heirs and to sonship. You wouldn't believe the ridiculous complaints I got in letters. And people just directly in my face saying, 
God loves everybody. You know, we're all that already. You know, we're already sons. We don't have to war. We, we've already overcome. Well, I, I agree with a lot of that. But, or, or even speaking about authority. You know, the authority is, is promised, but it's earned. It just is. And um, so th- with that, in this level of sonship, God is taking us deeper to hear him talk to us in ways that I don't think we've really been able to, to share to now, till now. And we're not quite there yet. And it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing progression of of development but it it's it's not like you attain something and you've got your you you've gone to the radio shack and the spirit which is up at north park and um you've gotten your decoder ring it's not something you earn like a badge uh, you you've got to keep you got to keep that well open you got to you got to keep it open because the enemy will try to collude it and corrupt it so, um, what the Spirit says to the ecclesia, what the Spirit says to uh, when you're praying in tongues and your spirit is praying, you know, even that, the development of the human spirit, it's not really the human spirit, it's the spirit God put in us. Um that's a process that I again I've been writing about it but it's so off the off the the main pathways of people people's perception you know why would the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ need to be with our spirit why would the grace need to be applied there and what is that deposit that we then yield back to God we've talked about this but to me, that's what's being mined, and it has been being mined. I think that's we've. I think there's a Peretz and a Peratz in our spirit. I think the unknown tongues and the and the and the commune with God is developing our our Peretz, our base, our gap. But then from that, we we expand out of our spirit, and we're praying uh, in diversities of tongues. We are. You know, we're allowing God's grace to use us in ways beyond what our, even what our pneumatikos capacity is within us. And, you know, you talk about those things and you know they're true, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not something that's talked about because it sounds like works and it's not works. And it sounds like elitism, but it's not that. Um, it's like you know the the deal with Elijah being up on the top of the of that mountain, and God's busting the rocks, and you know the wind is blowing, and lightning and thunder is around, and God's not in any of them. He's showing manifestations, and obviously God is there, but those are things that He does, and the thing that for that transitional moment that Elijah needed was finally to hear that still small voice that came from wrapping his head in his mantle. I wonder if that's really where we are right now. You know, Moses couldn't go into the promised land because he didn't do what God told him at the right hand. I don't know. It's hard to really say exactly, but I know in the midst of that discussion, there are pieces that he's working on in us. So, anything? Well, this, just as I've listened to you, I just, <clears throat> it reminds me of, you know, you were talking about how the, the Father is speaking to us and revealing himself to us in this hour, and it reminded me of what Jesus said to us in John, where he said, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, 
For the servant knows not what the Lord does, but I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard, that I hear my Father saying, I am making known unto you. And and granted, I mean, we've counted ourselves as the friend of God when we stepped into relationship with him. But um, it, it just goes back to just the foundation of, of who we are with him and and. It's not about the works. It's about the relationship, and and the fruit comes through the the relationship and the the the, the relationship as his friend. And and I agree. I feel like he's bringing us to a place where um, we are co-laborers. I mean, we are. He will show us what he's doing. It's like the echo. He will show us. And we will echo it here on earth and see the manifestation of his power and authority through him, through through that relationship as friends of God. And um, I love that. So that's just what I was thinking when you were talking. Wow. Oh, to be friend of God. But that's, you know, kind of a flippant identity that I think is thrown around but what does that really mean I mean for him to say you're no longer servants even though we will always serve and be servants in the kingdom but but you're friends because you know what I'm doing and you follow my commandment and I can't say all Christians are there yeah so and then you know the specialized friendship of the friend of the bridegroom. Yeah. And that, to me, in a lot of ways, just that whole revisiting of that revelation, just what we released in France, because France seems to be a forerunner in so many ways, launched us into, um, it, it, from my perspective, in a lot of ways, it launched us in through the transition of the season um, and, and also brought forth the wrath of the enemy if you'll remember <laughs> so we're on the right track yeah um you know you, you, like the friend of the bridegroom uh, when John and Jesus in Luke uh, 138 and 40 I think those are the verses uh, it says about John that you know, the the kratuo of the power, the power of the throne was with his spirit. And um, and then it says of Jesus that the power of, of the throne is with his spirit and the grace of God was upon him. But it doesn't say the grace of God was on John, even though John's name is um, the uh, the grace of Yahweh which is interesting. So how is that with the friend of the bridegroom? John had one job. He had one job, and that was to be out in the wilderness and prepare the way of the Lord. He had one message. To stand in here. He had one task, Mm -hmm. baptizing, and that prepared the way of the Lord. So um, I think some people who have the designation of the friend of the bridegroom need to remember that as far as grace is concerned you be faithful in your task in that dimension and don't look for grace to launch you out from from it that's your job now jesus said grace and truth he he had he had to have grace in so many ways he had to have grace dealing with a, a family especially in the absence of his father. He had to have grace in uh, living those 30 years on earth without sin. He, he had to have grace in presenting himself in ministry, uh, the disciples' development and training, the warfare with the enemy. The, you know, you just go on and on, all the various dimensions of grace that he had to move in. But... I think coming back to friendship, um, and John had a specialized thing. I mean, but I but I do think that for us, 
we have both. We're, we're a friend of the bridegroom preparing the way of the Lord, but we're also joint heirs because of Jesus' death and us being brought to the Father. So there's a task that we have that is in conjunction with us being a friend of the bridegroom preparing the way of Yahweh that we dare not abandon. And to me, I think that's our parets of grace. And what would that be? Patterning sonship, praying in diversities of tongues, being intercessors at the throne, um, the, uh, the continuing revelation of his word, helping to develop the doctrine of the saints' movement. But then there's also the dimension of the other parts of grace where while we hold fast to that, we're, we're having to, to obey and do warfare for continents. And we're having to, to go and make disciples. And we're, we're having to um, minister to the Lord, the Father, at the throne on behalf of whatever he wants and, you know, we're not just ministering on behalf of the end time. I, I, there's a lot of stuff we're doing that's preparing the way for in the heavens for others to come, those that are coming on board. And Jesus went to prepare a place, and we're, we're working to prepare a place with him for those that are, that are coming now. And there are things we're doing on behalf of eternity that are... That are uh, amazing. You know, at the beginning of this particular process, I I would tell, and I I know we all have insights that God gives us, but I remember telling about being in rooms in heaven that were empty and that I felt like the sprinkling of the blood was preparing a way. And then there there were sprinklings from the patterns in the heavens in the stelos that was assigned to people on earth that our sprinkling of the blood was kind of priming it and and really calling forth those to come that that should respond to the call um so those those are those are offshoots of what we do as saints in preparing the way of the lord but they're really additional tasks that we're doing as the joint heirs with christ you know, how are you a joint heir with Christ? I mean, if if Christ is preparing a way, if if Christ is preparing the the the, the abodes and the ministry points in heaven, uh, the, the 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 heavenly seats, you know, we're we're working with him in some ways to get those ready for people. I, it's just interesting, but that that has it's kind of like a parats off of our assignment as a friend of the bridegroom because we have an unyielding and unwavering commitment here oh yeah the enemies come after it yeah there have been times that he's pretty much tried to shut it down he's caused people to to walk away from it over the years many of them and um but but we have to still remain um functioning and preparing the way of the lord by believing for his saints to be awakened and believing for the saints to to move and you know praying for the histemes to be developed and strengthened that's to me like a John the Baptist kind of assignment that is is been given by grace because John was born of grace remember Gabriel told Zacharias your supplication this is why I'm here and um, the grace of Jehovah is, was what his job was. And I just think that's phenomenal. But we have that kind of mission as a friend of the bridegroom. Prepare the way of Yahweh. Prepare it. But then we're also joint heirs with Christ. How can you be a friend of the bridegroom and be a joint heir? You know, and if, if the, the bridegroom is not some woman standing in a, in a gown that she that she purchased on the cover of the book. It is very clearly in the scripture, the new Jerusalem coming to earth. Let me show you the bride of Christ. Let me show you what this function is. 
And we're, we're preparing the way in heaven and on earth for that. So there's a lot of parets and parats going on. Now we just got to be ready to be able to deal with those responsibilities given by God in an effective and in a, in a, in a, in a way, a means of sensitivity. And I think that's a lot about what this fast is because we're, we're ready to break through into newer dimensions of service that God has ordained for this time frame. You know, I was thinking the other day when we heard about the Methodist Church splitting. It's no longer united. It's not a united Methodist. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, if I'm reading this right, that the new rainbow flag is keeping the name United Methodist. And the offshoot, the traditional Methodist Church, is um, is going to have a new name. I don't know what it's going to be, but I was thinking, and I remember back from studying about church growth way way years ago, and it said that by between seventy five years and a hundred years after a movement has started, it usually dies, because in the fourth generation. The first generation is people that are paying the price for the movement. That would be Wesley, and that would be, um, you know, Charles and John, and and they they, you know, and then the second generation you have their children, which may or may not be doing what they're doing, but at least there's enough of the the the, the initial guard to keep things focused. But by the third generation, pretty much all of those first people are gone. The second people are still holding on, but there's a vacillation. And by the fourth generation, you probably don't recognize the movement in the way it was when it began. So Pentecost is kind of that way. You know, the Pentecostals, um, you know, arguably Hot Springs was 1913. So we passed that 100-year anniversary not long ago. And, well, seven years ago now. But... um, Really, like where we're going in Ohio, and uh, Ohio had visitations, and Topeka, Kansas had visitations in the late 1800s. So they really prepared the way, and I for for what was going to happen internationally. Um, but I I see, I see this, and it's I pray God keep us. I don't think we're going to be around for a hundred years. From now? I, no, I don't think this movement of the saints. I think Jesus is going to have come back. I think that we're going to be into the millennial reign by then. I think that. But who knows? Jesus said he didn't know the time. Only the Father knows. But we, we're, we need to pray knowing that from history. We're still this first generation of this saint's movement. And we're believing that these Elisha's coming will embrace that same fire Maybe not in the same way, you know, but but that at least they'll be able to process this pursuit of the Lord and they won't go down the trail of, okay, yeah, you can have this visitation, this breakthrough, these waters that are mined, but let me tell you, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to do that. You can just enjoy it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. But it's in the news. And I think I think with the Methodists, we bless them. I believe God's gonna give us a some kind of a some kind of an inroad there. Cause I, I know like we're um, where we're going in June, um, there is a there is a mighty deposit of the glory of God in, in all of that area, in all of that region. And those ancient wells, we we need to we need to really know. And between the Mennonites and the and the Methodists, they uh, they help spread that in intercession. And um, so we're we're going into territory that for God was that that amount of time. But um, 
it's just there, there's a lot of things God's asking us to do, but our 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 preparing the way, our initial calling is something we can't let go of. But there are other things that God's developing. So anyway, I've been rambling here. Anything further you feel? No, I just say amen. We have reached the hour. We have. So thanks, everybody, for listening to this on archive. We apologize. We have no idea what's wrong. Our streaming says we're still going, and uh, I suppose it's a problem with Spectrum, uh, and uh, we'll find out about it later. So we'll see it again tomorrow night. Thank you so much. We're praying for you, and we appreciate your stance in prayer. Until the next time, God bless you, and goodbye.